Hi, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Thank you for coming on with us. Another Mommy and Me Minute. It's going to be a little longer than a minute today, though. Today, we have a special guest traveling from out of state via the camera. We have Dr. Cole. He is a functional medicine specialist on gut health and um, autoimmune issues and all sorts of things that have to do with our health. Um, looking at getting the, to the source of the problem. So I'm going to have Dr. Cole tell us a little bit about himself. Welcome. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so my day job is consulting patients online via webcam. It's just like we're doing now. I talk to people in different states and countries uh, about functional medicine. And we drop ship labs to them and give them a functional medicine perspective on their health issues. So our main patient base are people with autoimmune issues. And that obviously, as you know, can manifest in many different ways. So autoimmune hormonal problems like Hashimoto's thyroiditis or autoimmune thyroid issues. And then obviously autoimmune digestive problems, neurological autoimmune issues as well. So my heart and passion is really to immerse myself in these oftentimes complex cases uh, where most of our patient base are very well read, probably a lot like your patient base. They know the stuff. They've done the research, but they're still struggling uh, with, with uh, their health issues and they're better off than they would be if they weren't doing all the things that they had done on their own, but they're not where they want to be. So I'm used to these cases that uh, it takes definitely sharpness and present moment uh, awareness to really be thoughtful about what has been done to not be redundant and dig deeper and take it to the next level. So that's what I do. Uh, and I've written books uh, about functional medicine. My first book was uh, called Ketotarian. It's a mostly plant-based ketogenic lifestyle book. There's um, you know, recipes and meal plans and all the science behind that. Uh, and uh, my second book is The Inflammation Spectrum, which came out recently, talking about this sort of continuum of inflammation that we see in the world today in autoimmune conditions and digestive and hormonal and brain issues and how inflammation is really the commonality between all these different health problems we're facing as a society. Uh, so th those are the two books. And I podcast, I host some podcasts, one Keto Talk, I've hosted that for two years, and uh, Goop Fellas, which is Goop's first spinoff podcast, Gwyneth Paltrow and Elise Lonin was the main one, and then they asked Seamus Mullen, who's an amazing chef, and I host Goop Fellas, uh, so it's, that's what I did, and then I also have two kids, 13-year-old, 10-year-old, and two golden doodles, an amazing wife. <laughs> yeah. And you're, is it in Colorado or California? Oh, neither. I'm not. But people often, I I spend a lot of time in California, but I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Actually. Oh, geez. You're on the other side. <laughs> you went to school in California. That's what I yes, remember. I did. did. Yeah. Yes, I went to school in California. My wife's from Los Angeles, so I spent a lot of time out there. Uh, but now my team and everything's based in Pittsburgh. But again, we could be anywhere, really. So we do travel to speak and stuff, uh, but we could, because we consult online, we could really be anywhere. Yeah, you could. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, what do you think, where is this all coming from? There's all, all the autoimmune stuff that we're seeing so much of. Well, it's really a confluence of, of several factors. And uh, it's this perfect storm, really, of, of factors and variables that are awakening these inflammation issues, these issues that we're seeing like never before. I mean, and really, to talk about autoimmunity you, and got so closely connected because 75 percent or so of your immune system resides in the gastrointestinal system. So to understand autoimmunity, you have to look and understand at where the predominance of the immune system resides which is in the gastrointestinal system. So 
the, the variables that we look at in the book in the inflammation spectrum, and really what's what the researchers are looking at, uh, I'm just kind of putting it in easy to understand words, but what researchers are looking at is the foods we're eating, the foods we're not eating, stress levels, exposure to toxins, sleep, physical activity, uh, chronic infections. These are all things that are constantly and dynamically instructing genetic expression. The research estimates that our genetics haven't changed in 10,000 years, but then what is to explain the really epidemic rise of chronic and autoimmune health problems in a very short period of time? It's because we're being, we're triggering these genetic predispositions that have laid latent for thousands of years, but are being awoken like never before because of the amount of stressors, environmental lifestyle things that trigger that genetic predisposition. So it's it's all that stuff. So food is is a starting point and because we're all eating food, it's a good entry point because every food we eat either feeds inflammation or fights it. There's no, you know, benign Switzerland meal. It's doing one one or the other for our biochemistry. Some in negligible ways, but it's influencing our health. We know that. But it's more than just food too. So in the inflammation spectrum, I talk about stressors and social media addiction and from whether it's the blue light or the FOMO inducing social media content and the stress that that brings upon. There's so much of modernity that need to be looked at in being components to being an aggravant to the immune system and raising inflammation. So if you were a mom, pregnant, first child, and you just want that star baby to be our new president someday, <laughs> what would you recommend to a pregnant mom to have the best possible life for her little one? Well, first of all, I would say not to stress uh, and not to have anxiety. I think a lot of times we talk about these things, there can be a lot of shame on moms, whether they're pregnant or they have little ones and they think of, oh, I should have done all this stuff or I'm not doing enough and that stress and anxiety and shame is not good for your health. So everything I'm going to be saying here should be secondary to peace of mind. So I think that that's first and foremost. And sometimes we have all this amazing content and information and research as far as clinical nutrition and functional medicine, but it's, it's falling on a vessel in a way that's not able to contain it because it's like too much information. It's information overload. And we live in an age where it's content on content on content. And we could all do more. So give yourself grace and lightness about all this stuff because stress levels is, is a place of major role in your health of you and your baby. Um, but beyond that, some practical things is really uh, focusing on nutrient dense, uh, nutrient dense diet. Uh, so focus on healthy fats. Our brain is 60% fat. Our 25% of all our body's cholesterol is in our brain. So what's good for mom is good for baby. Uh, so eating, focusing on healthy fats like olives and olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, avocado, avocado oil, soaked nuts and seeds to make them digestible. Wild caught fish as healthy omega fats. So important for doing the baby. Uh, Grass-fed beef even. Uh, so all of these healthy fats would is, is a good starting point. Uh, lots of variety of vegetables. I would say cooking them to make them more digestible. Many people, especially women, are having trouble breaking down vegetable or getting bloated and pain, GI pain from salads. Uh, it's not the salad's fault, it's the gut health issue that we have to look at. But to make 
good use of the vegetables, make almost pre-digest it in a way by having cooking it and, and having it soft and, and soups and stews or just sauteing it to make it more digestible and usable. Yes, it decreases some of the vitamin content, but the vitamin content that's left is more bioavailable and usable, and it's not going to cause you any GI bloating and distension or pain, anything like that. So I'd say that's something to think about. Uh, and you know, it really starts with food. I mean, we are uh, mainly, we can't supplement our, our way out of a poor diet. So we have to start with really nutrient-dense foods. That's what both I talk about in ketotarian, which is actually very nutrient-dense diet for uh, new moms. And uh, the inflammation spectrum, both of them. But so that's a good starting point with that. With that, and uh, specific uh, like supplements. Obviously, methylated B vitamins are really you should consider them. Methylfolate, methylcobalamine, healthy omega oils like from like krill oil or healthy like sustainably sourced uh, omega fat. Uh, vitamin D with K two. Those are two fat soluble vitamins that many people are deficient. It can really help for with a healthy pregnancy, healthy brain development, and immune system development. Um, and, and it's also avoiding foods that are irritating because research shows that if the mom's immune system is irritated with certain foods because of intestinal permeability or leaky gut syndrome, that can also impact baby's immune system too. So looking at things like gluten, uh, which is the protein found in wheat and rye and spelt and barley, uh, that can be an irritant to a lot of people. Not everybody, but a lot of people. So be mindful of that. If, if you're having a food sensitivity to some of these foods, it's not going to be the best for your baby. Uh, and uh, looking at added sugar, which you can't av probably avoid it entirely, but uh, be mindful of the added sugar and focus on uh, on decreasing that or or eliminating that. And uh, so those are some things to, to to consider, and that's applicable for whether you're pregnant or not. But even more so, even more important to do it in that in such a time. So, what do you think about um, having babies tested early for um, food sensitivities? Well, uh, my opinion on those is that we run food sensitivity testing and there's kids that we have clinically where we drop, we get them food sensitivity testing. But I would say more oftentimes than not, it's less to do with the food and more to do with what's going on in the gut. Because what I see when I, when I see a food sensitivity test, it comes back with lots of food being positive. It's to me just a sign of leaky gut syndrome or increased intestinal permeability. Because it, is it really the, let's use spinach as an example or any sort of vegetable? If that's positive on these food sensitivity testing, is it the spinach's fault or is it the intestinal permeability that's overreacting? And what I've seen over the years in consulting patients is that if they go back a week later or you know a, a day, even a day later, and retest that, you probably will see different foods being positive on that test. So then what do you do? Do you readjust your diet based on a snapshot in time whenever you got the food sensitivity testing? I don't think that that's very practical. Mm -hmm. Nor it will it yield the results that you're looking for either. So I think that, that the bigger goal, whether someone has that test or not, if you see multiple things being positive, my mind would go to really working on improving the intestinal lining integrity or improving gut health, as they generally call it, but just overall improving the landscape of someone's gastrointestinal system it would be my primary clinical objective, not basing your diet off of a snapshot in time of a food sensitivity testing. So that applies to kids and adults alike, that I would say. Now, if someone gets to a place like they're a lot better, things are really, they've worked on their gut health and maybe they're 70% better, right? Or 80% better. 
that 20% improvement, at that point, there's a place for food sensitivity testing. Because then you'll, the dust has settled, the immune system's calmed down, things are a little bit more uh, just balanced in the body where you, you'll find the random two or three foods that you wouldn't have known if you didn't run that food sensitivity testing. But at that point, there is a place for it. I just wouldn't say it's my go-to for everybody because it really is a downstream issue. It's a ripple effect of a larger problem. Mm-hmm. So on that note, what about like the people that end up, they don't have any allergies at all, and then all of a sudden they are in their 40s, now they're aller- allergic to things. What do you have to say about something like that? Do you think that's like a toxic overload, a gut thing? Yeah, oftentimes it's, it's a confluence of factors as well. I mean, you have to look, again, to understand immune-mediated things, whether those are autoimmune or whether they are allergy-immune or, or um, asthma-immune, like these more immediate, uh, uh, immediated issues. You have to look at where the, the, the large majority of the immune system is uh, living or, or resides, and that is back to the gut. So you have to understand the gut to understand allergies and asthma and autoimmune issues. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it, you have to understand toxic burden and body's ability to detox. That's definitely a component of it too. So looking at, uh, chronic infections, looking at mold, looking at biotoxins, looking at, at Lyme, tick-borne problems and co-infections to that. Cause a lot of times it's the analogy that I use for people that are watching this, it's the, 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 uh, the bucket analogy or like a mug. We all have different size mugs. Some people have big mugs, some people have small mugs. That's our genetic tolerance to stressors. A lot of people with these immune issues, whether they're autoimmune or allergy-based or these type of immune-mediated issues, they have smaller mugs. So they're going to overflow a lot easier than the, ne- the next person. You can't change your mug size, but you can change what you put in the mug. So that's going to be the food and the gut health and the toxins and the stressors, all this stuff. You are empty it. So a lot of our patients just were born, generally speaking, with smaller mugs in the way that they have a family history of these issues. They have different methylation genes, nodes, or detoxification impairments, or they're genetically more sensitive to biotoxins and environmental stuff. So they, you can't change that, but you can start to, to empty that mug, so to speak. That's what my job is, consulting them. Okay. So what would someone do if they do find out that they need to repair their gut? Where would they start? Well, I, I would it starts with a lab. I, I, I not that you, everybody needs labs there, but I think it's good to pinpoint if something's missing or maybe a lot of these problems are known as great mimickers because just because something looks like a duck may not be a duck in functional medicine. It may be a duck imposter. It may be a goose dressed up as a duck. It may be a lot of things that look like one thing, but it's really another thing when you run a lab. And that's why you run the labs to say, oh, well, like it did look like X, but it actually was Y. And that shifts the protocol up entirely. So I think a good getting a good baseline. You don't have to be excessive with labs. You don't have to run copious amounts of labs for the sake of it. Um, you can be comprehensive without being excessive, and that's where a good health history comes into play. Which I know, uh, you know, uh, it's so it's the foundation for all the steps moving forward because that will a good health history being thorough and being thoughtful to inform us on what labs are the most relevant so we can target what are the stones, so to speak, that are the most likely to have something underneath it. Get a good differential diagnosis of it. And at that point, you direct your your protocols. Because if someone has a yeast overgrowth, that's gonna be a different protocol than someone has a just no yeast overgrowth, they just have intestinal permeability, or maybe it's 
another co-infection, co maybe it's an active Epstein-Barr virus or mold issue that's mimicking a lot of these other problems. Or, yeah, so it's really, uh, to me, it's start testing direct further steps. But if you want some low-hanging fruit, so to speak, of just gut health, I would say work on, you use a lot of, um, in the inflammation spectrum in the second book, there's a toolbox for gut health. So people, we talk a lot about soups and stews, like bone broth-based soups and stews, sort of gaps-like approach, with this, which is gut physiology or gut and psychology syndrome, but basically focusing on that uh, and then targeted natural medicines to improve intestinal uh, lining integrity, like a marshmallow root and a DGL and uh, glutamine. These are all things that can help to um, improve intestinal lining. Those are some general things, but again, it's going to be based on the specifics of the individual. Great. Well, we are putting your link up um, in the comments because I think somebody like you is going to help uh, you know, our moms, our parents really find out the real cause of the issue. Um, so, and it's great that you do Skype and, or, you know, video yeah. chats and help that they have access to you. So we're going to, we put your link in the comments and also for your books too. So, Thank you so, um, so anybody watching can access you. Um, he's full of information. <laughs> we could probably yeah. talk for days on this topic, <laughs> but um, he'll help you get to the cause of the problem. So give us some symptoms that, that would lead somebody to call you for help. Well, most of our patients have some sort of autoimmune type issue. And so that it depends on where they're at on the inflammation spectrum that I talk about. It's like on one end of the inflammation spectrum, it's things like fatigue, brain fog, background anxiety, so like the sense of anxiousness, uh, brain fog, like word recall, name recall issues, fatigue. It could be even moderate fatigue where it's not chronic fatigue syndrome yet, but it's somewhere on this sort of fatigue inflammation spectrum. And uh, digestive problems like bloating, maybe they're constipated, they're not going to the bathroom every day, maybe they have looser stools consistently, or they have IBS, sort of intermittent, uh, like constipation, diarrhea. And uh, so that's sort of the one end of the inflammation spectrum. And then alongside with that, trouble losing weight. So I have weight loss, resistance, weight gain, that's one end. And then the other end of the inflammation spectrum is they're diagnosed with an autoimmune condition or a mental health issue like anxiety, depression, chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, diabetes, metabolic issue, or thyroid problem or hormonal problem, and then everything in between. So we're used to seeing the diagnosed people, but then all the people that are noticing the things, but they're not like labeled with anything yet. Uh, they, they just know that they feel a certain way. Uh, and so it depends on the person when we come into their journey. So what about postpartum depression? Would that be fall into that too? Oh my goodness. Yes. So much. So it's, it's, it's definitely important. Um, looking at where your hormones are at, uh, postpartum and many people with, as far as our patients are concerned, because they have these autoimmune components to their case, their autoimmune issue was triggered either typically after the pregnancy or during pregnancy. So it's because of the shifts of the hormones and the immune system during that time. So looking at postpartum depression, but also this postpartum immune system, what that looks like uh, for new moms is paramount, really, yeah. if, you're, if you're not. And that's why it's so important to, to be intuitive and to listen to your body, because many people that are new moms, they'll go to their doctor and they'll just, they'll say, hey, I'm having all these symptoms and they'll just say, you're just a new mom. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, there's nothing wrong with you, you're just a new mom, you're not getting enough sleep, which that could be a part of it. But then it's, it's sad because later on when the kid 
when the child is getting older, then realize, look, I'm not a new mom anymore. What I was feeling back then wasn't normal. I knew it was, but it was being masked by the new momness. Uh, so it's 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 definitely something that I see a lot. Okay, wonderful. So um, again, everybody that's watching, it's drwillcole.com and it's w-i-l-l-c-o-l-e.com and reach out to him. We highly recommend him and um, we want to find the cause of the problem. So he'd be very happy to help, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I my honor to. I, okay. It's a sacred responsibility. I love, I love what I get to do. Wonderful. And if you can't reach out, then he's got those two books too that we also put in our comments. So thank you for joining us. Great information. Um, I really appreciate you taking your time to talk to everybody today. And I love this stuff. I can talk about it all day long. Yeah, (laughs) that's great. (laughs) All right. Well, have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.